everyone. Welcome to the show. There's lots of news to get to today. Um, Donald Trump started his fraud trial today, or I should say his fraud trial began. And this is the civil case. So he doesn't even have to be there. He's not required to attend. So that shows you how nervous he is about losing his company and how serious he takes this. So he apparently gave an eight-minute speech before he entered the courtroom. He, of course, said this is all politically motivated. Um, he also said, quote, every time they give me a fake indictment, I go up in the polls. My question then is, okay, if that's the case, why are you so worried? Why are you freaking out? Why are his supporters freaking out online? You know, if this is all fake, if he's only going to get better in the polls if this isn't only going to help Trump, shouldn't they just relax and let the appeals process play out? Anyway, uh, opening statements commenced and the judge refused to allow cameras inside so we didn't get to actually see and hear it ourselves. Uh, but according to reports, the attorney general's office told the court they intend to prove that the Trump's falsified records, including the issuance of false financial statements, and they intend to prove that the Trumps committed insurance fraud. The attorneys also said that they have evidence of a conspiracy related to those crimes. And the attorney used a PowerPoint presentation in his opening remarks, and he noted that Trump had claimed his penthouse was 30,000 square feet, when in reality it was 11,000 square feet. And this is something I want to touch on because I see a lot of people questioning these charges and the judge's ruling even people on the left. When you're wealthy, when you're famous, lenders don't treat you like everyone else. I worked in the mortgage industry for a long time. I was the co-owner of a mortgage bank for a period of time. I flipped property for almost 10 years. Um, in fact, my job was to go out and locate the properties and accurately comp them to make sure that there was profit to be made. So I know a little something about real estate and lending. And what I know is that lenders are willing to give the wealthy and, and well-known people a pass on certain parts of the process, things like appraisals on a property. Um, also, when your loan is submitted, one of the first things that an underwriter does, because everybody's loan is assigned to an underwriter, one of the first things that he or she does is to enter all of your information into an underwriting software. That system then spits out a list of conditions that need to be met before your loan is funded. So it'll say, you know, no, this person isn't eligible for a loan, or it will say, yes, they're eligible, but they have to do X, Y, and Z first. So for example, it'll, it will say something like the borrower has to show X amount of dollars on a bank statement, uh, you know, or on several bank statements, and they have to show that the money has been in the accounts for a minimum of six months. Or it will say, you know, the borrower has to show proof of an appraisal, right? The appraisal has to come in at X value, must be complete prior to funding. When you're a high net worth individual, or if you have a ton of equity in your property, let's say you're famous, you're a celebrity, that system, you know, for, well, first of all, two different things. The system may not ask for an appraisal if you have a lot of equity, if you have a lot of cash in the bank, or if you are famous, if you are someone well-known, 
the underwriter can always go and ask for their superiors to sign off. They can say, you know, do we really need to do an appraisal? I mean, we know this person, it's, you know, Brad Pitt or whoever, right? <laughs> um, they can get them to sign off on things that average borrowers would be required to comply with and an average citizen. Now, I don't know for a fact that that's what happened in this case, but I can't imagine that Trump let some random appraiser into his home to walk through and inspect every single room, every nook and cranny of his home and take photos. And even more important, the judge already said, even if the bank did their due diligence, no one is allowed to falsify documents or issue written, issue written statements that they know to be false. And one of the biggest lies allegedly told by Trump and his sons was that his various properties had no restrictions on them. So if you take two properties and they're alike in all ways, with the exception that one has restrictions or you know rent caps or something like that, and then the other property doesn't, the property with the restrictions is worth far less. So take for instance, a vacant piece of land. Let's say you have one vacant piece of land, it's zoned for agricultural use, and you cannot change that zoning. It will forever and always be for agricultural use. The only thing you can do with it is grow plants, okay? The other property is zoned as a multi-family residential, or you can get the zoning changed and it has the ability to become like a multi-family residential property. That second property is automatically worth more money because you can subdivide it, you can build homes on it, and then sell those homes and sell those parcels. So it has more intrinsic value to a buyer. A lot of Trump's properties have restrictions on them. Now he benefited from those restrictions because they provided him in many cases with tax breaks. He got tax incentives, such as there was a property that he owns called Seven Springs. A large portion of that property was deemed as, you know, zoned for, I, I don't remember what it was, but you, you couldn't build prop, you couldn't build homes on it. You couldn't build structures. He couldn't expand and build like a hotel or, you know, he couldn't turn it into a golf course. So Trump had a portion of that property deemed as like a wildlife pres preserve or something like that. I, I forget exactly what he did, but for whatever he had it zoned as, he received tax write-offs as a result. So he can't go and comp that property against an equally sized property that can be fully developed. They're, they're not like properties. So anyway, the defense attorneys made completely false statements in their openings uh, in this case, in, in my opinion, based on what I've just shared. Attorney Christopher Kais told the court that there's no one standard way to evaluate assets. And then Alina Haba said that the value of a property is determined by what a buyer or a bank is willing to accept. <laughs> um, no, no. <laughs> it, if someone's paying cash, 
then yes, the, what the buyer thinks the property is worth, it, that applies. If they want to overpay for a property, that is fine. But when it comes to lenders, when it comes to a bank, that is complete nonsense because not only does the bank not want to lend out more than what a property is worth, but they have to be able to sell that loan on the secondary market. That's what a lot of people don't realize. When you go and get a loan from, say, Chase Bank, you don't stay most of the time with Chase Bank. Chase may have lent you their money up front, but then they sell that loan to another investor. They will package up a bunch of their loans and they sell them off to what's known as the secondary market. You cannot sell a loan to a secondary market if you have a loan that is worth more than the value of the property. That is not going to fly. No one wants to hold that note. And, you know, need I remind Alina Haba of the 2008 real estate collapse when they were regularly lending money for more than what properties were worth? And knowing that there was a bubble being created or with the NEGAM loans where the, the loan amount was going up as the values were going down. Anyway, a couple of things I found very amusing about today. Um, Trump was forced to watch a video of his former fixer and attorney Michael Cohen spilling all of his secrets about his alleged crimes. That had to have gotten under Trump's skin. And Eric, Trump's attorney, told the judge, quote, when you talk about credibility, you're going to have a guy who lies to everyone who is a convicted felon. I know, right? Like, <laughs> wait, are you talking about Trump or are you talking about Michael Cohen, <laughs> right? Who wants to tell him about Trump? <laughs> and this attorney, like I said, he's representing Eric Trump, who was found liable of literally stealing money from a charity for kids with cancer. Seriously, I do not know how these attorneys look at themselves in the mirror every morning. They're vile for representing these people. Um, also, the reporters who were there at the courthouse say that as everyone was leaving the courtroom for lunch, Trump went and he was hovering over Attorney General Letitia James and he was glaring at her for a while and then he finally left. So apparently she just laughed it off because, yeah, I, she's a black woman. Hello? If Trump thinks he is the first overindulged white male, the first entitled white male that Letitia James has had glare at her. <laughs> he's even more clueless than I thought. If he thinks he's going to intimidate her, he's ridiculous. Um, so anyway, when the trial resumed, Trump organization accountant Donald Bender was the first witness to testify. He was technically an, a, an accountant for Mazars, which handled all of Trump's accounts. Um, but they say that he basically was like almost like a Trump employee because he was there so often. So um, the, Trump's attorneys objected to his testimony, but the judge allowed it anyway. So they were not happy about that. Anyway, it ended with him. He was the only one, as far as I understand, to testify. And then it will resume tomorrow. I don't know if Trump will be there every day, but this should be fun. So <laughs> I'll keep you all posted. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Please like, please share, please subscribe, please donate if you can. 
Love you guys. Take care. Talk with you soon. 